Good evening, good night, good morning, good day, wherever you are. Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. Usually, next to me would be AJ, but he is not here today, so everybody filling in for him is Mr. Justin Marvel. Justin, how's it going, my friend? Awful. Sorry, sorry to your viewers and fans for making you late. It was my end, uh, my technological issues, so sorry, sorry. Great to be back, but yeah, sorry to start us off on a bad note. Man, these things happen. Um, as as we said off air, there's not a new season if technology does not get in the way. Because that is exactly what happened quite a few times last season. But Green Bay is back. Football season is almost here. The soccer seasons are all underway. And we are back underway as well. We have a lot that we are looking to do slightly differently to what we've done in the past. We are going to be expanding our discussions past just maybe just football during football season. We're going to talk about different things. We're going to expand our horizons. That's that's what we're looking at for season number four. And our first episode for this new season is called New Faces, New Places. And Justin, if memory serves me correct, we have to wish you congratulations because you have a new face in your home. You, oh, thank you so much. Yes, indeed. So for the listeners who may not be aware, Justin and his wife, they brought in a beautiful baby girl. Justin, you can tell the folks her name if you'd like. Um, Maya Claire Marvel, yeah. Born about, I want to say, eight weeks ago. So yeah, great blessing. Great joy. Keeps us up late at night, but what baby doesn't? <laughs> so yeah, when you're talking about welcoming a new face, I'm like, no, Jordan Love has been here for like four years now, something. Well, what's Ken talking about? No, no, no. We, we're definitely going much closer to home. We're, we're <laughs> going with the, the happy stuff. But as you're talking about Jordan Love, I mean, as we always like to say, you know, we go off the rip. And that is the fact is we are back. And we're happy to be back. And we're happy that you can be with us as well. So, as we always say, you know, like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so that you will know whenever we are on. Our aim is to be on every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, until the clocks change, because unfortunately, Congress can't get their act together so that we can start with this clock moving foolishness. So at that time, then I'll update you on the hours again. But in the spirit of new faces and new places, Justin, you made mention of um, Jordan Love, who is now your new starting quarterback because your old starting quarterback is a new face in New York. So, I mean, we're just going to keep this, this nice and light and happy if you can. <laughs> so how are you feeling about the fact that Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packer? He is now residing in the Big Apple. Funny you should ask me that because a couple of years ago I would have been upset, but no, um, I don't know if it's anticipation for what's to come. If it's because I've been through this when we transition from Brett to Aaron, I'm actually looking at this with with positive eyes. I'm actually happy. Part of it, as you know, whether his fault or not, um, the last three seasons came with a lot of drama, and I thought it was just time to you know. I was a bit over it, like a lot of Packer fans here that live in Wisconsin, they could tell you they're over it as well. You, I thought when he left that most of the state would be upset, but it's quite the opposite. Um, we think everyone is just ready to turn the page. And if you see the amount of love that Jordan Love gets, and that's not, you know, to play on his last name, but yeah, the amount of love that he gets around this place, even there is this traditional um i'm not sure if you've ever seen what lambo field looks like on the outside but right across the road like i mean immediately like a two-lane highway not four lanes right across the road are a set of houses that corporations own for party houses overlooking lambo field and on one of them there's this famous fence and this week if you had to pay attention in news the guys painted over the fence and it was um something like looking forward to love or love forever, something like that. They're so, you know, ushering in the Jordan Love era. And, you know, it is great to see all these Packer fans just looking forward to the season. Whether that ends in the playoff berth or not, that's going to be it. Um, you know, another question 
to, to, to deal with. But I and the rest of Wisconsin are happy to be moving on. And I will say, sorry, Ken, to go on this long monologue. Uh, initially, I had my concerns about what we would be. And I was not a fan of the Jordan Love pick coming out of college. I will, I'm not going to lie to you. But what I have seen in this preseason with his extended action, I we are not going to be the worst. Like I can tell you that for far, and I'm looking forward to what we are, we're going to do this season. Yeah, because I was just coming to ask you that because I, I mean, all right, preseason is preseason. We don't put tremendous stock into what happens in the exhibition phase of preseason. But of course, while we the fans don't really care. There are lots of players who really, really care because you have the establishment. Those would be like your Jordan Loves and your AJ Dillons and your other running back's name is escaping me. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, right. So you have the establishment, your Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. But then behind them, you had all these players who were fighting to get employment for the season or at least you know hoping to show good enough that they will get an opportunity if not with your Packers with somewhere else so when you look at your Packers 53 mile roster compared to the others in your division where do you think your Packers are going to end up I don't know is before I would have told you we would have been the worst team in division and especially know that we are all so young I think no I know we are the youngest roster across the entire National Football League and not just in the um, NFC North. I want to temper my expectations a bit, but like, I don't think... like If we are the second best team in the division, I'm not going to be surprised. Simply because like there are two, there are two things here at play, right? One, there has always been the rumors, the rumblings that Matt LaFleur was not able to run his offense because of who was under center and the person under center was not a huge fan of all the pre-snap motion, motion that those Kyle Shanahan offenses, you know, like he and Sean McVay employ. A lot of pre-snap motion and, you know, it's a very run-heavy offense. What I've seen in preseason, what I've seen at practices is that we are going to go to that offense and... It is going to protect Jordan Love a lot because they're not going to ask Jordan to do too much. It is going to be a lot of Aaron Jones. It's going to be a lot of A.J. Dillon. And any passes are going to come out of play action. And these young right receivers we have from Christian Watson to Romeo Dobbs to Jalen Reed to Malik um, these kids are fast. So I think what you're going to see on the offense is utilizing this, the youth and the speed from number one. And you're going to run heavy. So... It's either that you're going to pack the box to start the run and get burned deep, or if you bring a light box, then know that AJ, Dylan, and Aaron Jones are going to run all over you. But more importantly, like last season, the defense it should be our calling card. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, whether it's the play calling, whether it's the players itself, we were not aggressive on that front. But I think both sides learned their lesson last year, and I think what you're seeing now is that the players are allowed to be a lot more aggressive, press out in line of scrimmage. If indeed Rashawn Gary is 100% healthy to start the season, right, I think that defense can be one of the top five, top 10 units in the National Football League. And you know me, Ken, I'm an old school guy. If you can play great defense and control the clock running football, that is a recipe to win every single Sunday. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking at your Green Bay. Um, roster looking at your squad and when we consider the other teams in your division I think right now Detroit surprise surprise probably are the ones that should feel the best of the four Minnesota has to be looking over their shoulder because the loss of Dalvin Cook is going to be huge and yeah, we are in fantasy draft season. The NFL season starts in two days. So I've been in a few drafts so far and I've been seeing people picking up Alexander Madison. I have not picked up Alexander Madison because one of the, the stories of, the, of Alexander Madison is that he looks really good when he's spelling somebody. But when you have to depend on him to do it on his own, 
he usually flatters to deceive or he just all lets you down. So and I'm, then you also have to right. remember what this offense is. This is like a former Rams um, offensive coordinator. Like, um, you know, this is not a run first offense. This is a spread your offense. So you know what they're going to do. They're looking for TJ Hawkinson. They're looking um, for, for Justin Jefferson. So like, this team is not coming to run the football tons. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, good luck to everybody that picked Madison. Just not too much good luck because you probably will be opposing me at some point in time during the season. Um, and then the last team in your division is the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are much improved. The, the, their weapons are better. Their offensive line play should be better, which should mean that Justin Fields should have more time. The expectation is that Chicago takes a step forward this season. How do you see it? I am not I'm not a fan of what they do on offense, to be quite frank. Um the offensive lane until they see it is I don't care like how much you draft or well, yeah, I do care how much you draft. Or I always say that free agent additions don't really mean much to offensive lane simply because your offensive lane pay is two things for me. It's chemistry and coaching. And you will always see across the league, the teams that always have good offensive lane play are teams that have a particular coordinator or a particular coach who knows how to coach offensive lane play and players who are brought together, who have been together a lot because offensive lane is a lot of chemistry. And I'll give you a point and example. You remember when the Cincinnati Bengals made the Super Bowl and everyone said, ah, you got to improve that offensive lane and undoubtedly you like you'll be unstoppable and the next season being last season they went in free agency and had some huge pickups and what happened early in the season again offensive lane was the problem so it just shows me again you just don't plug and play in that and expect you don't bring good players plug them in and feel that works and no that's not how it goes you have to develop chemistry over time so that's why like drafting offensive linemen together look no further than dallas when Dallas drafted that over the years, when they drafted all those good offensive linemen together and they bore fruit, they didn't go into free agency looking for offensive linemen. And so that's why I'm not expecting huge things from Chicago because you know that offensive line is, like, has not been good for very long. And then you talk about weapons, like exactly what weapons are out there in Chicago. I, I, I am not a fan of what they do. Maybe it's biasing me because you know as a Parker fan, I've been brought up to hit the Bears, but that defense also is not great. I, I know a lot of people have the Packers finish last division, but I really have the Bears. Like you said, Detroit should be the class of the division this year. I am not sure what the overhaul is going to look like in Minnesota, but that was a team like I knew was going to be a one and done in the playoffs. And it wouldn't shock me if, considering you didn't, you know, um, the contract situation with Kirk Cousins, um, they, that team just falls off because I don't like to say teams are lucky, but that team was extremely lucky last season in the amount of one-score wins they had. I think they had a record nine one-score wins. They, I think they were nine or ten and all in one-score games last season, and those things tend to catch up. You're not going to do that again. So if you're not blowing up teams as a supposedly good team, next season and we can't say that that minnesota roster has gotten better like you said you lost dalvin cut adam Thielen got old on you quickly you had to move on from there i uh, i am not going to be shocked when minnesota misses the playoffs but definitely detroit you would have to pencil them in right now at the class of the division all right so moving from the nfc north we're going to head over to the AFC East because we're talking offensive line and one of the big issues that the darlings, the new darlings of the <laughs> NFL, the New York Jets, they've been fighting with all offseason is that offensive line because in Johnny practices we were seeing reports that Aaron Rodgers was running for his life all practice long. He was throwing interceptions, which is primarily because he didn't have time either for the roads to develop or he was running for his life. And right now, we're looking at this Jets team, and some people are thinking Super Bowl or bust. I'm looking at that division, and I am not convinced that that is the case. Do you see it the same way? 
obviously when you bring in Aaron Rodgers and you spend all this money and all um and you know in in, in in trading whether you're talking about the same Dalvin Dalvin Cook is there now, right? Yes. So you bring in Dalvin Cook and you bring in all these ex Packers, whether it be Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb. Um offensively I don't I'm not a fan of what New York is about to do. Uh, especially when you bring in Dalvin Cook and you're going to be lessening the load of Brees Hall. And I think Brees Hall is tremendous. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget the Aaron Rodgers that left Green Bay. And <laughs> it is not, you're just not going to change locations and all of a sudden be a different player in that. Obviously, this is an MVP caliber one, player once he steps on the floor or the field, should I say. The issue comes in Aaron Rodgers does not have a lot of time for young players making mistakes. And when you look, your biggest playmaker is or should be Garrett Wilson. No, if Garrett Wilson all of a sudden starts, and I mean, I've heard rumors in practice already uh, of Aaron Rodgers not being happy with the rope decisions or, or breaking off routes that Garrett Wilson has done. And they can tell you for a fact, I've watched this man his entire career, Ken, like, like no other person in life. If you don't do what Aaron Rodgers wants you to do, and at least an interception especially, best believe that you're in the doghouse. And I could give you the example that I can. Devontae Adams' first year, for as great as Devontae Adams is, wasn't he doghouse in his rookie year? And I can tell you that mm-hmm. for a fact. The dog, it took that miraculous Miami win where, you know, Aaron Rodgers did that fake spike and, and threw that. It took that game late in the season for Devontae Adams to get out. This is a roster that has Super Bowl aspirations. Will they have the time to go through what should be rookie mistakes, and that is the one thing I'm not a fan of Aaron Rodgers for. The defense, can I will tell you, is legit. We saw that defense last year, and he is only going to get better this year. So we are arguably talking about the best defense in NFL maybe in the last five years. This is going to be a, like there are no weaknesses. Whether you're talking about up front, you're talking about the middle of that line, back in court, and especially back end with Sauce Gardner, who is in my mind easily the best cornerback in the NFL right now. Like that tandem on the outside is probably the best one two cornerback duo. This is the best defense in the NFL. But it is the offense that's gonna concern me because you know me saying you can talk about all the playmakers you can have, you can talk about the signal caller. If your offensive line is not good, I don't care who you have back there, you're not beating anybody. Football is one in the trenches, and I don't know that that offensive line I expect this team to make the playoffs. Will it usurp Buffalo as the best team in the division? I'm going to pump the brakes on that. I'm going to say New York gets in a 10 and 7 record as the second best team in the division. Okay, because that, that was exactly where I was going next. Because I was going to say that. I know we don't expect that the New York Well, I didn't expect the New York Jets to win the division. I still believe that Buffalo are the creme de la creme when it comes to the AFC East. A lot of pundits, a lot of people right now are making it seem as if Buffalo has taken this humongous step back. I don't know where it's happened. I don't know when it's happened. But we will we will see what they do. Miami, they're still going to be dependent on the health of Tua. We can only hope for his sake that he's healthy this season. New England, unfortunately, still not like if they're going to be last in this division. They're, they're going to be in the cellar again. Do you disagree? Well, I mean, you and I are in a chat, and we poke fun our, 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 your co-host about this daily because as great as Bill Belichick is as a coach, that's, you can't say the same as general manager. So when you let Jacoby Myers walk, give him the same money that you should have given to um, Juju Smith-Schuster, and now you're hearing of knee issues that could say lane. Juju, like, you still have the same problems over and over again in terms of a lack of we- outside weapons. I-, I don't know this team has ever been good in terms of outside weapons since Randy Moss has left the, the facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, like, when you're playing you now the Buffaloes, the Miamis, the Jets of this division, you are going to have to score points. So you're not getting into any defensive struggles or winning any 16-9 to nine games. That's not happening. Or 20-10. to 10. That is not going to happen in this division. You better be able to put up points. And I have to believe with Matt Jones, I think Matt Jones is going to be a lot better now that they have a legit play caller. <laughs> finally, don't know what. When they actually have an offensive coordinator, I, I don't know what. No sort of coach offense. 
I don't know what the hell that was last season, but know that <laughs> you've moved on from the George Judges and the Matt Patricias and actually have an offensive coordinator. Hopefully, Matt Jones looks like what he did in his rookie season. But again, without to put it in the context, you can if that team minus Juju Smith Schuster takes the field against New York Jets defense or even Buffalo's defense, are you expecting them to threaten anybody down the field? Nope. The answer is no. You're not. You're not threatening anybody. Like you're going to have to run the football, and those teams in the division that those teams in the division know you're coming to run the football. So you're going to stack the box, press your or untalented wide receivers, and dare you say, "Show me, show me that Matt Jones can beat me." And, and if you like, I'm not sure how Miami is going to look defensively, but the Jets and the Bills are very good defensively, especially in the back end. That is not going to beat their secondary. Either the Jets or, or the Bills, I have to believe with the lack of offensive weapons to threaten anybody outside of their running game, Ken, that's, that's, that, that, that's not beating anyone in the division. So, dead last. And by a comfortable margin to it. All right, so let's move now from the AFC East. Let's come out West. This is the division that we, I got to say we, I have to own it myself. Because I made this mistake. I erroneously said that I thought that, you know, three or four teams could have come out of this division. And this was when Russ got here. I didn't expect that Nathaniel couldn't hack it to the degree that he did. But now, new face in a new place. We have Sean Payton here in Denver. Sorry about that, Ken. Sorry about that. <laughs> Do you think this makes a difference for Denver? Does Denver have an opportunity, you think, to make it into the playoffs this season? They have an opportunity, but again, we talked about the division and how tough the division is. Um, today, it only got better for them. Uh, I mean, I hate to talk about players' injuries, but obviously with a team that no longer has um, the Cheetah and, and Tyreek Hill, you're the mainstay was always going to be um, Travis Kelsey, and now we found out that he has uh, injured knee, a hyperextended knee. Like we saw, what the rest of those offensive weapons are. I learned for the Super Bowl though not to ever question Andy Reid again. So I know some way somehow Andy Reid's going to make this work, but mm. I think Travis Kelsey's injury kind of brings them way back down to earth, and especially considering the holdout of Chris Jones. Like I don't think. People are making this as big of a deal as it needs to be, Ken. That is a major, major deal for a team that no longer has the firepower that it did at the start of what, you know, you and I call the Chiefs dynasty. So, but you know I me. Mean? If you have the best head coach and the best quarterback in the, in the, in the, in the division, chances are you're going to win the division. So I'm not going to bet against them. With the Denver Broncos, I liked Sean Payton before. But I already see what's going on, what's happening in Denver. I put my neck on the block with Nathaniel Hackett and that team being at least the second best division team in the division. Not again, because they can already see Sean Payton, what Sean Payton is doing, referencing what happened in the past, essentially to set himself up in case failure happens. And we saw that when ripping Nathaniel Hackett and what went on. It was unnecessary. And already that receiving core has had an injury, a, a huge injury already. I am not going to be surprised if this team is on, sorry, that's me hedging my bets. I believe this team is going to miss the playoffs yet again, and it should not happen considering how great that defense is. But Seattle knew why they moved on for us, and I'm not sure if you've ever read the in-depth articles about it. They're, they're, they, they knew what they were doing. They, they all, they're talked about it for the last two, three years. Russ was losing a step, can't beat people on the outside anymore. The arm strength is going a little bit. They knew what they were doing. They were always looking to move on from Russ. There were even rumors that the reason that Russ got no trade contract or no trade clause in his contract is because of back-to-back years. The Seattle Seahawks courted both, looked at the draft at both Patrick Mahomes and then um, Josh Allen. And had either player slipped to them, they would have drafted him. So that is why Russ put that no trade clause contract, well, no trade clause in his contract because he knew Seattle was always kicking the tires on him. And 
look what happened here. They moved on exactly at the right time. I say all that to say, sorry, Ken, for that monologue. Denver Broncos, I am going to put money on missing the playoffs. And the two teams from the West that made the playoffs last season, in terms of the Chiefs and Chargers, are going to be the same two teams going back. Because, again, you know me. Josh McDaniels is not a head coach in the National Football League. He is not. Um, you taking what you learn from Bill Belichick and that's trying to transplant it wherever you go is not a recipe for success. When you are moving on, well, you have to move on for Darren Waller because you're not owning the locker room. You get rid of your locker room leader, not just the not, not just your good quarterback, the voice and reason. You and I talk about this constantly. If you are at odds with a locker room leader like Derek Carr. Something is wrong with you. There is not a man in that locker room who did not look up to Derek Carr as a leader who did not respect Derek Carr. For you tend to move on from your two leaders in Derek Carr and Darren Waller for absolutely nothing. It tells me all they need to know. And you're all already hearing Devontae Adams speaking about, you know, possibly moving on. They are going to finish. It's going to be neck and neck between the Raiders and Broncos for the last in the division. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything that you've said. The one thing that I am keeping an eye on outside of this situation with Kansas City and um, the injury that we heard of today with the... Travis Kelsey. What is it? Yeah, Travis Kelsey. Why are your names blanking me this afternoon? Um, you need some fish oil. Fish oil get healthy frontal cortex. Yeah, probably. I, that, that's probably what I need to get going here. Um, the other thing that I'm looking at is Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore being the new face in at the Chargers. Hmm. Um, I'm interested to see what he's going to do there because a lot of people think that he is a he's the poster child of good offense after being the offensive coordinator for Dallas and thinking that the issues that Dallas had were all with that and not with him, we will see. We will see why. Before you move on, right, I want to, I always want to poke holes. Like, you know me, I'm not a fan of some of these coordinators and coaches that get jobs. And mm-hmm. the two that are in LA are the chief culprits for me <laughs> in Brandon Staley and, and, and Kellen Moore. So let me start with Kellen Moore first and foremost, right? Because mm-hmm. Dallas put up a ton of points over the last two seasons, you see all the love that Kellen Moore gets. And I wish I had enough time to prepare for this show by work and baby. So I'm coming a little blank. But I can tell you, I wish I had the advanced stats to dig deeper into just points per game. Because a lot of people forget over the last two seasons, Dallas's defense caused so many turnovers. The last two years, they have led the league in creating turnovers. So either A, Dallas is getting a lot of short fields, or B, Dallas's defense is actually putting the ball in the end zone themselves. The offense was not as prolific as people would love to think but you're seeing the flat points per game and say, ah, look at Dallas's offense. And yes, Dak's turnover issues are partly as his concern. But if you're a great offensive coordinator and your quarterback is there turning over the ball at rates, can isn't it becoming or you are incumbent on you to take the ball out of his hands some more? Isn't mm-hmm. it? Especially if you have a one-two punch what Dallas had last season, like especially where their backup running back became a pro bowler that season. Like he is he was the beneficiary of a very 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 turnover point defense that gave him short fields and actually score points and then Brandon Steely boy another undeserving head coach candidate a guy who made his living off of a star studded Rams defense in terms of uh, when you're talking about Jalen Ramsey and up front arguably the greatest lineman to ever play the game oh lord names are forgetting me no I can I can Aaron Donald and you transition in to become the Los Angeles Chargers coach and the Chargers defense only took a further step back while you were the head coach. But and I thought defense was his calling. And mm-hmm. then you see the risk, risky type of head coach that no matter what side of the field he's on, he's just going for it on fourth down, going for it, going for it. <laughs> let's leave it there because you know me, I could go on and on another touch on those two, but let's, let's let it go. Yeah, chances are, when the season is over, we'll see a new face in that place. So, now let's move from the... Let's stay in the West. Let's go now from AFC to NFC. So, San Francisco, they don't have a new face. They got rid of one of their faces. Um, 
the Rams, they are keeping pretty much everybody around that they haven't traded away already. Then Arizona, they have a new face at quarterback because Calamari is not ready yet. And then the last team in that division... Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. Well, they have stayed packed. So how do you see that division going? The same two teams that made the playoffs out of that division are the same two teams again, simply because they keep telling you coaching wins a lot in the NFL. And for my issues I have with Kyle Shanahan, I definitely can't question what he does in terms of lane play on either lane, either the offensive lane or defensive lane. And I've always been a huge fan of how San Francisco builds their teams, the old school football in me, because again, they build their team from the lanes outwards. That's why you win football games. You win football games in trenches. So defense, San Francisco's defense will always be good, regardless of who. I know D'Amico Reigns is not there anymore, but when you have that defensive front that they have, you're going to win football games. There's no doubt about that. And then the draft capital that they continually put in their offensive lane. And you know that 21 personnel that they continually use. And these players that are essentially jackknives in that they perform so many different roles. So you could put Christian McCaffrey behind a full back. You could put Christian McCaffrey as a sole back. You could put Christian McCaffrey in the slot. You could put Christian McCaffrey out wide. And everything I said about Christian McCaffrey, you can say about Debo Samuel. You can say about <laughs> Kyle Juszczyk. Like, that is, like, this is the army knife of players. They can put them here, 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 here. And then because of the every, they can keep the same formation, different plays, and everything looks the same, and then it's not the same. Like, the hell. So, yeah, that team is going to make the playoffs and probably could be the best team in the division. Pete Carroll, there's no doubt in what Pete Carroll is as a head coach. No, you've gotten even better with your offensive um, firepower in bringing um, Smith and Jigba to add to already loaded um, um, two weapons on the outside. So, um, I hope this season is, or last season was not a fluke from Geno Smith. Seattle's defense is only going to get better as these young players, and they have great young additions already. And as they mature in the NFL, they're only going to get better. But the reason I save those two teams and the others, like the dumpster fire that is the Arizona Cardinals, that is the worst run franchise right now in the NFL, and that is saying a lot when the Washington Commanders are still in your same league. Like, this is a joke of, of, of a franchise, and... Arizona needs to blow it all up, and that's what they're trying to do, basically. Everyone who's a veteran making money is probably on the way out. Kyler Murray, as much as they've named him one of six captains, I would not be surprised if there's... In fact, no. There were reports that they were behind the scenes shopping him already. This is a bad team. Like We all knew that, that um, Cliff Kingsbury did not deserve to be a head coach in this league. He should not have gotten it on the resume. He had coming out of Texas Tech. Um... The rumors are that Kyle Murray is a child, and the roster construction has just been pathetic. Like, like piss poor. And then the Rams, like, like it or lump it, the Rams went all in on one season. They got the Super Bowl, and well, this is this is the follow of when you go all in. Like, mm-hmm. All players get injured and old very quickly. So you had to move on from Jalen Ramsey. Aaron Donald is old and injured. Uh, Matt Stafford is old and injured. Um, you got retirement of Andrew Whitworth on the left side, so you've not found a suitable replacement for that yet. You've gone young, and now apparently Matt Stafford, through his wife, for whatever she's saying, is upset with the young receivers and uh, secretly wants out. I don't know how secret that is. The team's extremely young. Like If Green Bay is the youngest team in the league, I think Rams aren't too far behind. I think there's Colts, and then maybe Rams at four or five, somewhere near there. This is a very young roster because... I think they even got rid of, like, who's the guy that they brought in from Chicago? The next thing, Leonard Floyd moved on from him uh, and moved on for other senior players because they just went all in on that for that Super Bowl run. And this is what it looks like when the Super Bowl run is done. So, yeah, I think the Rams are not... The only reason the Rams will not be pulling out the rear of this division is because the Arizona Cardinals exist. Yeah, this is when you have to pay the piper. Yeah. Because if you, don't, if you don't pay the piper, you just... You know, takes all the children and leaves. <laughs> so this is what's happening with the Rams because everyone on this squad that was worth a damn is pretty much gone. With the exception of Aaron Donald, who has talked about retirement for the last two seasons. And I'd be very surprised if he does not retire before this season ends. 
I would not be surprised. I think he should have retired when they won the Super Bowl. I don't know why he was was why he really came back. Like, what are you coming back for? And then we did, I never talk about Cooper Cups, the injury that that no, he's going to specialist to understand was or not hamstring injuries. Yes. So they have, they have a lot of problems over there. All right, Justin. So I think we can leave we can leave the West. Yeah. Do yeah. we really have to talk about the FC South because the FC South right now there's only one team in there that's worth really talking about and that is the not even the Jacksonville Jaguars because we expect the Jags to be good we expect the Jags to win that division the only other team really to talk about is the Colts because you talk about the the Cardinals being a dumpster fire the Colts are they're, they're, if they are not on fire they're catching the embers from Arizona because they are doing the absolute worst over there. Right now you have Jonathan Taylor who has begged and pleaded to get out of there. They they told him, well, under no circumstances are you leaving? Only then to say, well, go find a trade. They didn't find a trade like so now he is still with the team, but currently on the pop list, the physically unable to perform, with the expectation that chances are he does not play this season. And they're starting a rookie quarterback who everybody believed coming into the league was our project. Now we know how to figure out, can he throw at this level? Can he make things happen, you know, from the pocket? Because he hasn't played a lot of football. When you look at, when you look at this, these, these quotes, new faces, new places, what's, what's going on here? This is a recipe for disaster in starting Anthony Richardson. You could not have put, a rookie quarterback in any worse situation. Now I know a lot more. No, I am. It's gone past my era where quarterback sat down and watched. Like no, because the college offenses and uh, NFL offenses are marrying and looking the same. A lot of these kids coming out of college are more ready to play pro football. But Anthony Richardson has played like what? Not even twenty games his entire college football season. And now you're throwing him in, in a team without Jonathan Taylor. So, yes, Shane Steichen was the run game coordinator at the Philadelphia Eagles, and you saw how great that looked there. But reality situation, you don't have him. The outside West weapons in Indianapolis have always come to question. What is there to protect this kid? And I know he feels he's Superman because he's a huge kid, about 6'4", six, 6'6", six, six, 240 pounds. So, like, we're talking about a Cam Newton mold, probably even bigger, stronger, and faster. But we saw the mechanics, you saw the turnover rules at, at, at Florida, you saw the accuracy issues at Florida. This kid is not ready. I know you're throwing him in without the best player in the, in, in, in the team, in Jonathan Taylor, because at least you'd have the run game to kind of, like, you know, ease him in and he can do, run a lot of play action on naked bootleg because teams will be focused in on Jonathan Taylor. That's not the case, like, you're kind of a rookie head coach with a with a rookie uh, quarterback without your best player in the running back. Like I, I don't like that's as simple as to show you nothing good is going to come of playing Anthony Richardson. They tell you for the very least, there's no harm in having Anthony Richardson wait 13, 13 weeks before starting because like, you're not looking to bait the playoffs right now. You're worried about the health. And and for those who think who are watching your show and I know you have a lot of fans, okay. So for those who think what is the harm? There is a lot of harm in starting a rookie quarterback. This is not the NBA where you just go through aches and pains. You're literally figuratively going through aches and pains because one of the biggest things that people don't talk about, and I need people to start watching whenever it comes out, the um, series called Quarterback. One of the big things, responsibilities of a quarterback is knowing your protection and where to slide it to where to understand where blitzes are coming from, where to hold to read your heart reads to avoid blitzes and whatever not. Anthony Richardson, again, hard, does not have 20 games at the collegiate level. You're coming to the NFL where people are just as big, just as strong, just as fast as you are. You do not know your blitz assignments. You don't know your coverage, your protection assignments. You're going to get yourself hurt out there. That is the first thing. Don't forget knowing to read defenses, being accurate. The first thing as a quarterback you need to know is your protection assignments. And throwing a kid with little to no experience out there 
behind a line with very little experience with a team that is not good, can the Indianapolis Colts are asking for problems and trouble. Yep. Yep. They're looking very much like they're going to be picking in those in the top three to five picks in next season's draft. For sure. So now we that leaves us with two divisions still to touch on. And I yeah, think bring I'm going yeah, I'm going to go to my division first, and then we'll, we'll end with the NFCs. So, in my division, new face, new place, Derek Carr is my new starting quarterback. We have a rookie quarterback in, um, what's his name? Bryce Young. He is at Carolina. Then we have a new quarterback in at Tampa, which is Baker Mayfield. And we have a second-year quarterback starting for the Atlanta Falcons, who took the running back B. John Robinson in the first round of this season's draft. So, a lot of people have been asking me, how do I feel about my division? I tell them, the, the straightforward answer is, I'm winning my division. I'm expecting the Saints to win about 11 games, at least 11 games this season. Because, even if my offense does have some growing pains, with Derek Karen now under center, and with Alvin Kamara only receiving a three-game suspension, and they say only because everyone who I've spoken to about this said I told them I expected at least six games. Because from what we heard in the reports, it did not sound very good. It did not sound very positive. But I only gave him three. Thank God. So we have him coming back after week three. But my defense is, is, is uh, my secondary is probably as good as almost any in the league. We have benefited. If there's a way, if you want to look at it from that perspective, from Marshawn Lattimore having a couple of injuries over the last couple of seasons, because that gives an opportunity to develop two young corners who are playing almost at his level. That is Alontia Taylor, and the second name just for sure, for sure, Ken, for sure. Yeah, when the name comes back to me, I'll, I'll I'll bring that too. But the fact is, we have not had very good quarterback play over the last couple of seasons. We barely missed the playoffs last, well, two seasons ago. And we had an opportunity to make it if Tampa lost, and then we won, and then we lost our game as well. So we have not done ourselves any favors except this offseason. Now we have a good secondary. We have we still have a decent front. We have our weapons on the outside. With the wide receivers that we have, there should be a lot less um, responsibility for Michael Thomas, so hopefully he'll be able to hold that. Yeah, we could spend time talking about the others, but why? This is the safest division to lose. It really is. Like uh, you know, I me mean? not a fan of Baker Mayfield, and again, offensive line is part of the problem. A lot of aging players uh, all over the roster in terms of the playmakers. So I mean. Maybe the defense, and, and, and even when their defense was good, it was getting old and there were problems on the back end of the defense, and they don't think that's going any better going forward. Um, Carolina's going to have some growing pains. You're starting to, uh, you're having a, a rookie quarterback, even though I will say if there is a place that you want to start a rookie quarterback, Carolina is the situation simply because of what, you know, when you have Frank Wright, a uh, quarterback whisperer, and, and you look through, the veteran play caller and then, and then everything they have set up i think Bryce young for the rookie quarterbacks is in the perfect position but yeah they're going to take a while over there at carolina to start winning football games they're going to be competitive but they don't expand to win atlanta may be sneakily decent though because as much as people always talk about running bats and not drafting running bats i i disagree huh? i always see it the best time to draft a running back or best like like draft running backs. I'm all for it. Because running backs are one of two or three positions I always say are come ready to play in the NFL. Like if you have a great running back, a rookie running back, you plug plug and play him immediately because running backs immediate their their success is immediate and you want to get them as fast as possible. The issue to me is not drafting running backs highly. It's not giving them that second contract. That's what you don't do. So you can draft the running back as high as you want. And I think them drafting B. John Robinson, I absolutely love it. Because you have a young quarterback um, in Desmond Ritter. And uh, you want to give him as many tools to succeed. So you have the second-year player in Kyle Pitts. 
and then you have B. John Robinson behind him. So you got he has a lot of, of safety valves, for lack of a better term. I like bringing him B. John Robinson. And what I've watched for him, can he is a, he is going to make the Pro Bowl immediately this year as a rookie. Remember, I told you that immediately to the point where. He will be a top five running back in the league immediately this season, without shadow of a doubt. I've seen this kid. This kid is special. Um, but I'm not a fan of Desmond Ritter. All that being said and done. So I, I don't know that that's a good quarterback. And I don't know that Atlanta's defense is going to bother anybody. But I think they're going to be sneak. I think they're going to be the second best team in the division. Okay. So the name I could not remember before was Paulson Adebor, who is who has developed very nicely as the other cornerback on the other side for Marshawn Lattimore because obviously he's going to get a lot of work. Quarterbacks don't usually throw to Lattimore, especially when we're playing against Tampa because whenever <laughs> it is on site for Marshawn Lattimore, anytime he sees Mike Evans, it is nothing. So I am, on, I am on very... On site and on site. There you go. And then, of course, you know, we have Tyran Matthew and um, Marcus May as our safeties, Saints are going to be fine. So finally, the the NFC East. So Dallas, well, they don't have a new face because Dak is still the quarterback. They're going to be using, um, what's his name, the running back? Tony Pollard. Uh, Tony uh, he's, Pollard, yes. He's, he he's, he's to, back from injury, though? They're, well, they're expecting him to be ready. I'm, I'm not sure if he's, if he's actually back, but they're saying that he's going to be they're starting running back. Then they, you know, well, we mentioned Kevin Moore is no longer there. So your old head coach, Mike McCarthy, he's calling plays. It's better. This is going to be a very short experience because chances are when Dallas does not do as good as they thought, then he's probably going to be out. So the bigger, I guess, bigger topic of conversation in that division, though, is with one Eric Bieniemy who is now the offensive coordinator for the Washington franchise, because we hear that chances are their name may be changing though since the owners also changed. And that there was a lot of talk about the players were not very happy with Bienemy because Bienemy was waiting them pretty hard. What do you make of that? I make the fact that it's nothing until you change the quarterback. So you could bring Eric Bienemy all you want. You could get rid of Dan, um, Dan Slater. And you did have to get rid of Dan Slater. There's, there's no yeah, ifs and buts about that. But um, until you find your franchise quarterback, and I can assure you that, fran- that, that that franchise quarterback is not currently residing in Washington, you're going to have problems. And the thing is, I love, absolutely love the weapons that Washington have right now at their disposal. But what are you going with Sam Holy? Is that threatening anyone? Are you, are you worried about that situation right now? And as I said, I think the enemy will provide some sort of juice, for lack of a better term. We don't know what to say. The innovation to their offense. But still need a play caller to, 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 to make it all work. Sam Howell is not that guy. So, like, maybe I'm being too harsh. But I think, again, for me, if I'm Washington, I would not even be openly trying to win games. I'm not going to let anybody know I'm tanking. Because reality situation, I'm looking at Caleb Williams and that's keeping my fingers crossed. It's like, will I continue trying to develop Sam Hall? Like, I was, I told people I was so glad that Washington fans cursed me for this. I was so glad that Washington did not go out and get into this this bidding war for Aaron Rodgers and, and, and Derek Carr and the likes because like, you're only going to be as good, you're going to be only so good to just miss the playoffs again. You could as well, if you're going to be bad, be very bad and especially this is the season to be very bad because you have you you have Caleb Williams up there and that is the man that you should be looking forward to. This team, again, I think Eric Bianami is going to, to, to do wonders or at least improve the team. But your starting quarterback cannot be Sam Hole and you're talking about winning games. It just can't fair enough. Fair enough. So, I mean, we just did a rapid-fire thing throughout these, the, these uh, four divisions, the eight divisions in the AFC and NFC. And, well, there'll be lots of time to break down what's happening going on throughout this season. But one of the things that we want to do 
for Green Beach going through season number four is that we want to spend some time looking at the other sports. And I know we, you know, 50 minutes is up on the clock. I'm sure that we can get these next two topics knocked out in oh, the sure. next 10. So first up, well, it's kind of a basketball story, but kind of not at the same time. Right? The question is, what does it mean to be champion? Or in this case, world champion. Because Noah Lyles, who is world champion sprinter of, from the United States, the 100, 200, and also in the 4x100 champion, he got on a podium. I made a statement that got the NBA... Um, Panties in a bunch. A yes. <laughs> he said, you know what hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? The United States. So, Justin, you and I, we both weren't born here. So, I know that we probably have a, a, an understanding where this is concerned. We we have consensus. So, when you heard Noah Lyles get and say, NBA champions, world champions of what? And, I mean, we hear NFL teams, when they are announced as the Super Bowl champions, they are also world champions. Baseball has the World Series what does it mean to be to be a world champion? Do these teams actually have a case? No. And what was shocking was not Noel Lyle's comment. The backlash to Noel Lyle's is what really shocked me. Like, like, clearly, A, you just want to be offended, or B, did not understand what the man was saying. So, first, let me touch on the NBA players that took offense and their response. Like, I get you're trying to say the best players in the world play in your league, but... The reality is that's not that still doesn't make you a world champion. Yes, whoever wins is probably the best team in terms of club team in the world. But the reality situation, what makes you a world champion to answer your question, is when teams of the world play each other. And we're talking about nations. So when a USA plays, I don't know, like Italy in an actual world championship that's going on right now. That's a weird thing. Mm -hmm. like, there is an actual <laughs> basketball world championship going on Ooh, right yes. now. That is the world championship. And whoever wins that can call themselves champions of the world. Like, because, yes, you can see the NBA is actually a higher caliber of basketball than the current world championships. No argument there because the best players in the world, most of them reside in the NBA. But that's not what Noel Lyles is saying. Noel Lyles is not saying the NBA is not the pinnacle of basketball in the world what he is saying it cannot be considered a world championship because countries are not playing against each other and the end in nba should signify and tell you that the end in nba stands for national which means it is in the american league and, and and let's point to the thing like something like uefa uefa champions league like that to me may be an even higher standard in the world cup but at the end of the day that is not a world championship because Correct. those are all European teams. They're not, and, they just, and yes, all the players in it encompass the entire world, but these players are not playing for their nations. They're not representing their nations, so it cannot be a world title. So he's absolutely correct. I think the NBA players took exception because he thinks that they're saying they're not the best, it's not the best competition in the world, or he's misunderstanding that the best players in the world don't play, and that's not what he's saying. It can't be a world championship when Atlanta is playing Phoenix. Those are two American cities. It, it can't be that. Like, it is, it, it, even if, again, let us say for argument's sake, like, like Cancun was, 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 was playing San Antonio, it's still not in a world championship. A world championship consists of world, of actual countries playing each other, which is actually going on right now in terms of the FIBA World Cup. And, that, and, and I know you don't have, you're not going to say much because you're in agreement on this, which is making it for a very boring show. <laughs> you can't have a national basketball association talking about world championships or again upset when a man says you are not the champions of the world. Yeah, I mean, and then to, to piggyback on the thing that you made mention of with UEFA and the Champions League, and that being, or in some cases, it could be better. And when you look at the competition from top to bottom, it's usually better. Than if you look at the World Cup from top to bottom, because the thirty-second team in there is probably beating Iran right. in the World Cup. But that's not the point. When you win the UEFA Champions League, you don't call yourself world champion, or, or even like you're the club world champion, because you know what they have 
in in October, November, they have the Club World Championship, where the top team from UEFA plays against the top teams from the other divisions, the other conferences that send a team. And when you win the final, then you are the Club World Champion. You are not the Club World Champion until you beat the teams in that competition. So, Nola saying what he said, I I think that it, it rankled people because of him saying that they're not world champions makes them sound to them as if he's saying they're not the best. And you know, one of the things that America is very concerned about is being the best everywhere at everything at every time. So right. when he says on that stage, what you were a champion of what, then they're like, but we're the best basketballers in the world. And that's not what he's, not, this, and that's not what he's saying. In this case, we don't care. Because that's not that's not the conversation. The right. conversation is when you're at a world championship, as you said, FIBA going on right now. If the U.S. wins that, then the United States of America are the world champions in basketball. Simple and the expectation that. is that they should win it. But Nikola Jokic is not going to be a world champion, even though he is the MVP of the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. We can leave that there. So, we did touch, though, on the, the whole soccer thing. And one of the biggest issues that is happening right now is that these, t- these matches are going on longer than ever before. This, this started from the World Cup. It's continued now into the European soccer seasons, where usually we would have seen three minutes, four minutes of extra time, two minutes of extra time after the first half. Now we're getting eight minutes. We're getting 10 minutes. We're getting 12 minutes. And the teams and the players are up in arms over this situation. We've had Pep Guardiola coming out and saying, oh, but, you know, we need to consider the amount of strain that we are putting on our players, making them play all of this extra time. What do you make of this situation, Justin? I am actually, so I was going to let you take the lead on this because I have not gotten a chance to check up on that, as I told you beforehand. So mm. um, go ahead, take the lead first before I can read up some more here, Ken. Sure, no problem. So I think, I, I was talking to a friend of mine and I told him that I had to take on this that I was sitting on. I was sitting on it like a mother hen, Justin. I was waiting till I got here on this show for my egg to hatch. And here's my egg. I believe that very shortly, and very shortly I'm, I'm saying like within the next five to ten years, we are going to have a timing situation in world soccer, football. Very similar to what we have right now in the NFL and the NBA, which is every time the ball goes over touch, the clock stops and it restarts when the ball gets back into play. Because we have had situations and this whole timing thing is as a result of these players playing the tail every single match and wasting our time. Now, we are either paying money to go see it in the stadiums or we're paying money to watch it on TV. We're not advocating piracy, but I know there's some people who will find other ways to procure access to the games. But a study showed that the time that the ball is rolling on the field was somewhere around the 50 to 56 minutes of a 90-minute game. So you are paying a price. 40 pounds, 80 euros, 100 pounds, depending on where you're seated. And you're missing a half, you're missing a quarter of the game, a third of the game, because most of that time is either someone rolling around on the floor, kicking the ball out, doing something and just wasting time. At the rate that they're going, sooner or later they're going to just say, well, in basketball, you get a little over, you get 48 minutes of action. And if you consider like they can inbound the ball and let the ball just roll all the way up the court before they pick it up and they reach half court, the ball is rolling for even more time than the 48 minutes. Why don't we introduce that instead? Because the players are shortchanging the fans. And you know how it goes. 
your team is playing and your team is winning, you want the ref to blow off the game as soon as 90 minutes hit. But when your team is losing, you don't mind that he's, he puts eight minutes on because the other team has been wasting time the entire second half. At the rate that they're going, this is the next step because they have been wasting time for so long. It has to change. It had to change. This is the route that they've decided to go for now. But let them continue to complain. As they continue to complain, this is just going to go even further the other direction. I wanted to start by saying that, but I wanted to read a little bit to also concur. But there are things that I, so I want to add to that. Like, as you said, like, fans are paying money, especially with TV rights being as high as they are, and they want the football action. So if you're there wasting time, and we're talk, we know about the, in, the injuries, but on top mm-hmm. of that, to add on not to go any further with what you said, because they completely agree. Is on top of that the goal celebrations. The goal celebrations are become more and more ridiculous, and it sounds weird for me as the NFL fans who love who loves to see goal celebrations. But like when you're taking all that time, like, you know, people adding back on. But I think um, part of it also, and they're not sure how much that has to do with it, is VAR. Like the time mm-hmm. that you sit down to go through all these reviews and you're going mm-hmm. through these reviews at length. Well, this is where the men are getting back that time. So, like, the people who complain, like you said, are the people who are always going to be up ahead and want the team to call off as quick. But on the other side, if you're behind, yeah, so, like, I think it's going to be, like, all other sports. It's going to be, it's going to be much ado about nothing and complain. Like, you, uh, you've seen situations with the pitch clock in baseball. And all the purists said, oh, this is nonsense, this is blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, came off with a hitch, and we're not. We're actually talking about baseball, not the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. Tennis was the same thing, surf clock. All the purists was like up in arms and there's all this noise and blah, blah, blah. And we've seen almost little to nothing about it. Like, at the end of the day, these things force players to adjust. Players are good enough, smart enough to adjust. And you're going to initially hear the r- rant and raving. But reality situation, these things always self-correct. And either the players are going to stop all this nonsense. We, well, they're never going to stop the diving. With the, 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 with the injuries, but at some point, it just autocorrect, self-correct itself. But I think, I know a lot of my friends who are big footy fans have a problem with VAR, and this is part of the, this is part of the, the side effect of VAR. Like, well, you're now having elongated or, or extended matches because of this, so it is either that you're going to find a way to get it right fast, or well, well this, is, this, is, this is what you got here now. It's true. I mean, there's a conversation about VAR all on its own. We'll probably bring that, yeah, we'll probably bring that around next week. I mean, 60, we are 63 minutes on the clock. We've done a good job. We've gone through a lot today, Justin. Thank you so much. And AJ is going to be out again next week. So I can really use your help one more time. So I'm not sitting down here talking to the masses on my own. Yeah, so that this is a, a snapshot of the new Green Beach. A little, a little less football. A little more football, a little more <laughs> basketball, a little bit more of us, a little bit more of everything. We're going to have some fun. We thank you for your time today. If you watch this live, we appreciate the time that you spent with us. If you listen to us, wherever you get your podcast, we appreciate that as well. Tell a friend, help us to grow. We want to see our numbers do a lot better this season. Justin, before we go, tell the folks what you have going on. Um, as you know, we've been on a bit of hiatus. That's part of the baby. Um, but hopefully, 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 we're looking to come back either next week or a week after because the NFL season, baby. So, you know, you need hashtag this Justin in your life, especially, you know, that we are once again the only this Justin <laughs> in the space. Oh, yeah. So, the original this Justin. So, um, if you're a fan of this show, then you've seen a lot of us. You've seen a lot of me because I love being on the show. I love to talk Ken and AJ. But if you are only now joining us for the first time this season, then hashtag this Justin. You may not need to put in the hashtag anymore because, again, we're the only this Justin around. Uh, when we return, we will be on Monday nights, um, 7 p.m. Sorry, yeah, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Uh, we are a YouTube-only show. We are not your typical streaming podcast, so we only stream live on YouTube. You can watch it afterwards. We are on YouTube every Monday night, as I said. Um, for our other channels, you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and indeed Twitter. Well, sorry, what is no X? There's no more Twitter. Yeah. It's X. 
It's X. Yeah. We're probably talking about that too. Oh, lost one of these days. I go on a big run. But yeah, for our short form content, Twitter, Facebook, and indeed um, Instagram, hashtag this just in. But don't need to do that because it will be here again next week, Tuesday. Oh, yeah. So as we end this week's episode, you know how I usually do it. So, well, this time it is Justin filling in for AJ. He is the green for today. I am Ken. I am the beige. We are so happy to be back. Green beige peoples, we will see you next time.